you know, now I'm my own motivator and and I and what drives me today is going back to this thing about you know being the best version of myself and being able to have the greatest impact that I can have on this world and and that's what motivates me Welcome to Unstoppable the podcast for anyone who believes that their past and current circumstances do not define their future potential. I'm Karina Burton, your host and co-founder of CPR Construction Cleaning. This show is a series of pro-founding conversations that share stories and experiences of unstoppable people. Those who are willing to change, discover what it means to be aligned, and who are also willing to face tough challenges that stand between them and their dreams. As a coach and marketing expert, I live my life believing that I am unstoppable. Now I want you to know that you are unstoppable too. Thank you so much, Stephen, for joining me on the Unstoppable podcast. Stephen Arthur George is originally from Michigan, but has been living in Portugal since 2017. His professional career started in finance and business development, but has been focused on the medical cannabis industry in Europe for the past four years. Stephen spent three years of one of the largest cannabis companies in the world, Tilray as European Alliance Manager. In the late 2021, he launched his own cannabis advisory business, founder at Kaya Advisors. He also enjoys writing, mostly on LinkedIn, about cannabis, marketing, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to know more about your background and talk about the cannabis industry and how you shifted from being in the finance department to being a cannabis um, advisory. So one of our number one questions that we like to ask our guests is what has made you become unstoppable? Is there a moment in your life or moments or something that made you realize I'm going to move to Portugal. I'm going to change my entire life from going from, you know, finance and business development to an industry that you obviously seem to be very fascinated by. Yeah. Um, no, and it's a great question to get started with. And I think, you know, it all, it really all comes back to one day, but I think there was some stuff that I, you know, accumulated to that, right. Through my career in finance and, and getting into the more corporate world and, and from, you know, from very early on, you know, something didn't feel right to me, let's say in a sense of where I always had this more of a entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and, and it's a, a quick story that I'll tell because I, I worked at a financial planning firm for a while or a financial planning firm and then went to financial wholesale. And I worked with a partner of mine, um, down in South Florida. And he was one of the largest producers in the entire company. And we had a lot of tremendous success together. And um, he's still one of my great friends and, and mentor to me in my life. Um, but it was interesting because, as I mentioned, he was one of the largest producers and, and always at the annual meetings was always getting a lot of praise. And whenever he came to the office, people wanted to sit down with him and talk with him. And 
and don't get me wrong. I mean, he's an amazing person um, and has tremendous amount of skills and abilities. But I noticed that kind of outside of those four walls, he was, you know, another guy with a a four-year degree and some sales experience. And I knew that there was more to him than that. But because of what the corporate structure did, it kind of made him this hero inside of these four walls, which then, you know, almost is delusional at some times, right? To then capping some of your other individual capacity or abilities. So it was a day on the golf course that I kind of all realized this when I was out playing with him. And and ever since that day, I've, I've been on this journey to um, become the purest version of myself. And I think that's what makes me unstoppable. And that's what makes, keeps me going every single day is because I have this inherent drive to, um, build my own brand and, and be, like I said, the most, um, the most that I can of myself. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I am a big believer on, you can be a very successful person monetarily, right? You can do that, but you can also do that in a way of being your best, the best version of yourself. And, and that is through, you know, your ethics and your integrity and also giving back to your community and your community doesn't necessarily mean like your, your neighborhood, right? Like you think of like the town I live in, especially in today's day and age, we live in you know technology so your community is as big as you make it as broad as you want to you want to put it out there and that's you know the beauty of even podcasts right the reach is exponential it doesn't stop it just continues to organically trend and um i think people you know people who want to get into becoming an entrepreneur so many times they are so focused on the dollars. I know that this industry will make me a ton of money and you know, it will either, it either does really well and then it plateaus or it just goes flat. And, um, you know, it, for them, they feel like they failed and they're ready to go off and just continue on in corporate world because there has to be something. And you made a comment that you were, you felt like you were born with this entrepreneurial spirit. So what was that like? What would you, how would you explain that? Like I said, I think when I was younger, you know, it's interesting about what you just said, too, because I think when I was younger, you know, it, it was just trying to find a way to get money. Right. Um, and and trying to to be able to do different things. And I even think a lot of the times as as a, as a youngster, it was it was for the wrong reasons. Right. You know, just wanting to buy new toys or wanting to have other stuff that the other kids had, you know, so then the way I, I went about doing that was, you know, I was the classic kind of, you know, um, mowing lawns or, or raking yards or doing the lemonade stand, you know, out front on the, uh, during the, um, what do they call it? When, uh, when everyone's buying stuff from the house, I can't mind. Oh, like, yard sales, yard sales. like a yard sale. Exactly. You know, when we had the neighborhood, the neighborhood yard sales. Mm-hmm. So, so like I said, I think it was always, and, and I, and you know, and it's, and it's actually one of the things that I'm trying to tap more into now that I've been on this, you know, solo journey the past six months or so, um, is, you know, I, I always enjoyed building too. Right. So, um, 
you know, whether that was, like I said, you know, taking things apart and rebuilding them or, or, or building, um, you know, things in the backyard to play games or whatever it was, you know, it was like always kind of, of had this innate, uh, innate, um, need or want to, to build things and create things. And I think, you know, like I said, as you evolve throughout life, you, you're kind of confused. And I think when I was younger, I think what kind of stunted maybe my journey was that like, I thought I had to create like a physical thing, right. Or like I had to build something physical. Um, that was like, you know, like the next, you know, being the next Coca-Cola or what, you know, there's always like a physical something behind it. Um, and I think as a, you know, time went on, it, it evolved and I realized that it doesn't have to be a physical thing, you know, and an entrepreneur can mean many different things. And, and then, so then what I look back on is it's just like, it's this, it's this sense of freedom. And I think whether it was going and mowing a lawn or doing a lemonade stand or building something in the backyard, it all come back to this, like, it was a sense of freedom and it's what I wanted to do. And it's, um, what I wanted to focus on. So yeah, you know, that's kind of what got me to, to where I am now, but it, it took, a it took many years in the corporate industry before I, I had the courage to then go and build, um, on my own. So I feel like when you're a kid, you, you know, like you had mentioned, you are really doing it because you want to buy, like you want money. I remember my dad is an entrepreneur, so I had the opportunity to, you know, do work for him or he would make me, he's like, oh, if you want to earn money, you have to rake the leaves and, you know, paint the, I remember one summer I painted our entire um, porch and the, the, the flip side of it that I didn't realize was that I started to to learn that I loved being in control of what I was doing, right? Like I, I realized that I liked managing my own money. I liked being in charge. I liked being my own leader. And, um, I didn't realize that then. Right. And it's, it, it's slowly like what you said, it's, it's progressionary, right? Like I didn't straight out of the gate when I went into my career, you know, go into becoming an entrepreneur. I had to go through, um, the school of hard knocks, I like to call it, because um, I didn't finish my college degree, but I had to go and learn how to, so that I could be a very successful entrepreneur. Um, so w you grew up in Michigan. How do you feel? Because now you're in Portugal. That's a that's a mm -hmm. very big <laughs> difference. Um, you know, what was your life like in Michigan, and and what kind of ignited that for you to move to a different country? Well, I had to stop in Tennessee first, so I'll, I'll, I'll bring that in, you know, but growing up in Michigan, you know, was, like I said, Michigan is home for me. Right. And I, I'm, and it, it will always hold a big part of my heart. And, and, it, and I also think it developed a lot of who I am today. Um, and I, I credit some of my success to, to being from Michigan and being from the Midwest and, you know, I think that just comes down to, you know, it's a very, the Midwest is very blue collar, you know, um, uh, you know, auto industry, steel industry, um, getting your hands dirty and, and just putting in the work, you know? So it's like my foundation of everything 
always comes back to growing up in, in Michigan and just understanding. And my parents were the same way, you know, not only same thing you mentioned, you know, if they're, if, if I, you know, wanted any type of money, there was never, I was never ever in my life given money, you know, just because, right. It was always, there was always something attached to that, you know, whether that was, like you said, painting, painting around the house, cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the house, vacuuming, mowing the lawn, you know, whatever it, whatever it was, I always had to do something to be able to receive something in return. So, so Michigan taught me that hard work. And, and like I said, I think the foundation, it's a great foundation for anything, whether you're an entrepreneur or working in the corporate sector as well, without hard work, I mean, you're just not going to succeed. Like I said, I think it's a very fun foundational component, um, to us as individuals. So, so that I always keep close to me. Right. And, and that I credit, like I said, just a lot to Michigan and, and to my parents and to, to my upbringing, you know, and then the downside to Michigan is that it's a very cold place. Um, beautiful in the summertime, I think a lot of people don't even realize that, um, but Michigan's a very beautiful place in the summer, especially with the the great lakes and the fresh water and, um, you know, an amazing place to be. Unfortunately, that only lasts for a few months. And then the rest of the year is is quite cold and, and quite gray also. Um, and luckily, I got to do some traveling when I was younger. So that was the first leap I took. And in 2012, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and I actually spent five years in Nashville before I moved out to, to Lisbon. But I think that move to Nashville was extremely important in my move to Portugal because it made me comfortable with being away from home. Mm -hmm. And I spent five years, you know, away from home and I was, you know, it was a eight, you know, from Nashville to Lansing, Michigan, where I'm from, it's an over an eight hour drive, you know, a couple hour plane flight. So it's, it's like I said, it's not close. So then over those five years, I realized, you know, you only, you know, I don't know, as the world grows, we, it, you can only get home so much, you know, and then I really, you know, so I would go home once or twice a year. And I remember when I was considering the move to Portugal, one of my good friends asked me, you know, well, how often do you get home right now? Cause I was concerned about being so far away from my family and friends and everything. And, and she was like, well, how often do you get home right now? And I was like, well, once or twice a year. And she's like, well, is it going to be any different? And I was like, that's a really good point. And that was kind of actually the click that made me realize like, it's not going to be any different, um, than being in Tennessee. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit more complicated to, to get home, but in this day and age, not really. So, so then the transition to Portugal was quite smooth. Um, obviously much more complicated than moving to a different state, but you know, over the years you get used to it and you, you adapt and, um, you find that we're all not that much different from each other. So where along the line did you switch from, you know, doing finance and business development to getting into the cannabis industry? Well, that happened in Portugal, right? And, and just to backstep a little bit and first off Karina thank you for having me on the show today I yes. we dove right into it and I didn't even get to uh say that so thank you so much for having me um but you know my, my finance career started in Michigan I, I worked for a financial planning firm and then 
you know, my story to Tennessee is actually quite, um, quite interesting. And I think plays into, plays into that question, um, a bit as well. Right. Because I started in the, like I said, in fi- my, my degree is in finance. So I have major in finance and I, I worked for a financial planning firm in the, um, in Michigan, but then, and you know, financial planning is something that I, I really, I, I, I was, I don't, can't think of the word I, I'm looking for right now, but I was intrigued by it. Right. And, and I, and I liked that side of it as well, because I could see that you, you know, you had an opportunity to help people. Right. And, and I also knew that finance, you know, in the U S and many places around the world, you don't get taught much from like a personal finance standpoint. Right. So, so I knew you could help a lot of people. Um, but then I also saw it as like a long and dirty road to get there. And I was right out of college and, you know, I wasn't making any money. And I saw like, man, this is going to be years and years and years of work before I can do anything good. So, so then I found, I had a friend that was working down in Tennessee at this company and um, he was working in the operations department and I was, you know, overqualified for it, but they had a sales desk at this um, office in, in Nashville and I applied and I, no one ever even responded to me. But then, like I said, I had this opportunity to get into the operations department with, um, with a friend. So then I, I worked in the operations department for a year, started doing some networking with the sales desk and eventually got into sales um, and then started working my, my finance career. But then this goes back to that original question that you asked me. And I think this was the pivotal turning point where I kind of realized that you know, like I, I didn't want to be known as just a, a sales guy. Um, and, and also as I got into the financial sales industry, I started to realize that it wasn't, um, there was a lot of stuff that personally from a value standpoint that I didn't agree with. Um, and I saw a lot of bad business within the finance industry and a lot of it, um, like I said, I just didn't, I didn't align with personally. So I knew something was wrong and I knew I needed a change and, and actually, that's why I came to Portugal um, in the first year here. I got my MBA, um, and that was kind of how I pivoted out of the. It's like what I, I like to call it the. Um, I don't know, but it was the. It was it was a way to pivot. It was the corporate way to pivot. Let's say okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so then went to school, and then it was here that I was in Portugal when I, um, when I noticed that there was a large Canadian company, Tilray, my previous employer that was building a facility here, I've been around cannabis for a long time and a big advocate. And so I reached out to him and one thing led to another. And now I've been working in this space for the last four years. And now, so you were working for a company and then you've pivoted into being a entrepreneur having your own advisory company. Is that correct? Correct. So I'm very curious to know the language barrier. How, you know, did you speak or have any Portuguese or you just kind of dove right in? Just, you're like, you know what? I'm just going to take this chance. Yep, exactly. Um, Fortunately here in Portugal, especially in a bigger city like Lisbon, mm-hmm. um, English is, is spoken quite a bit. 
Um, and so, so it's really easy. I, I mean, it's, it's manageable, right? Um, I know I have, you know, hands fulls of friends from other expats from, from different countries who don't speak the language at all. And they've been here for years and they can manage and it's fine. Right. Wow. That is actually exciting so, to know that. Okay. Yeah. So that part is, so that part's nice. So it's not like a, it's not a, a barrier to like living here, you know, but to actually be a part of the, you know, to be more involved uh, culturally, to to be able to interact with a more business sense with locals, <laughs> then the language helps. So I've been learning the first year during school, I didn't really put any time in at all. But then ever since the second year, um, I've been learning, I've taken courses, I've worked with tutors. Um, and it's a, it's an evolving, it's an evolving process, right? So I don't, I don't speak fluently yet. Um, but, but I'm, 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 I get closer every single day. So that's the, that's the important part. The amazing part of it, in my opinion, I think anyone who's listening to this is that you didn't make excuses for any barriers that could have hindered you from making this leap, right? You were like, well, if I can just take it in small bites, right? It makes it more manageable. It's not as scary because there's always going to be fear jumping into something new. And, um, you know, it's a testament to see when people are able to break those barriers and they don't have all the answers right then and there. They're able to really work through them as they go. And a lot of times that's life. Like you are not going to have all the answers, not all the solutions. Everything's not going to be picture perfect when you decide to make a change in your life. A lot of times it's that leap of faith and putting in that work and effort into whatever you're doing. Um, exactly. So you had mentioned that you have been, you know, in the cannabis industry, um, even prior, or just at least being somebody who's an advocate. And I had mentioned to you that, you know, I grew up, I, and this was, you know, obviously before we jumped online, but I had mentioned that I'm very fascinated by the cannabis industry. And I know that there are a lot of people that still really, really need to be educated in regards to it because we have so much generational um, beliefs, what we've been taught. Um, and you know, for me, I grew up in a small town and um, very strict uh, religious background. So, you know, when I decided to learn more about it, I thought, man, like more people need to know. So I'd love to know, you know, what drew you into understanding about cannabis and how it truly can be such a huge beneficial in so many aspects. Um, so I'd love to hear your journey on how you've gotten there. Yeah. No, and I, I especially like talking about this topic, but some parts are difficult, but it's it's all part of the story. Um, you know, and like I said, so I've, I've been around cannabis for for over a decade now. And um, and like I said, and, and was first introduced to cannabis, you know, probably in my senior year of, of high school was when it first came around, right? And 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 here's the thing, which was that probably, um, you know, still young, right? So still probably about 17 years old. And, and, you know, I think first off, you know, cannabis consumption, I think has to be, you know, 
like I said, we're still trying to figure everything out, right? But in we do see, you know, it, it does seem kind of clear that, you know, adolescent use while the brain's still developing and things needs to be only, you know, when absolutely necessary, right? Um, you know, th- that's 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 first off. But I have been involved with it and been around it and and consumed it for for many years. And, you know, and I think one of the first things that came to me was that, you know, after consuming and, and being around other people who had consumed and even other, uh, you know, adults that consumed, I realized right away that the story that I had been told was different than what these people were experiencing. So that was the first thing where it was just like a curiosity came into my head, right? That, you know, like something's, something doesn't add up here. Something's not, not right. Um, and then a couple years later, I lost one of my really good friends to an opioid over overdose. And, and this is when I really started to question everything mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously a very difficult thing for me and, and many of my other close friends and, and we were young and, um, such an incredible person, um, such a great soul, such a kind, amazing individual. I guess, I don't know, still hurts me to this day that, um, that he was taken away. But then again, you know, like I said, it, I, it drove me on this journey, right. And, and made me start to question everything around medicine and around wellness and around mental health and, personal development. And so I questioned everything. And the more time I spent around cannabis and also consumers of cannabis, I I didn't see the bad stuff that everyone was talking about. Right. And, and, and actually almost the contrary, right. I saw that individuals, even, you know, like I, I, I learned more about the medicinal side of it, which is just like completely fascinating. And it's like the saddest story in the world that this is not available to everyone across the globe. But then also from, you know, like even the adult use standpoint or recreational standpoint, whatever you want to call it, you know, like it led to more intellectual conversations. It meant to, it led to challenging ideas. It meant, it led to a different perspective on something that you may have had such a solid perspective on, you know? So then I, I realized that there was a lot more to this plant than everyone everyone said and and also at the same time seeing all the damage that something like alcohol does every single day to so many people and to so many of my friends and family members um and yeah so it was just it was really just a curiosity and a and just I I I just started questioning everything and when you start to question everything you start to find answers um, and oftentimes you find out that the answers are much different than what has been the overall societal message. I, so I'd mentioned that I, you know, um, a few years ago started to kind of really take a look at it. And there was a really big reason why was because I had, um, a, post-traumatic stress situation that happened to me. And it really, you know, I had, I was, 
I had my daughter who was only a year old and I had found out that I, you know, had some cancer cells and I had to have it removed. And it was, you know, it was very traumatic for me because my daughter was just about to turn a year and I was just like, oh my gosh, what's happening in my life? And, you know, the doctors were trying to help me with my anxiety and my stress. And after I had my surgery, um, thankfully my scans came back and, you know, it was clear they had gotten rid of everything, but it was like a journey of pure stress. Like I just was sheer anxiety. And so what was happening, they were just giving me these over this, you know, medicine and I just kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then, you know, got to a point where I was like, oh, it's just in your head. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I'm literally sick. I had something that really triggered me and I ended up having an autoimmune um, disorder. So my journey into it was I started to read more about the different strands and understanding that there's purpose behind them. And for me personally, like I'm a very sensitive person, so I can't, I'm very big on products that are very high in the CBD that has low THC. But uh -huh. when I really took down those barriers and this thought of, oh, this is bad, this is shame, but it's okay to go and drink and get drunk and get wasted and vomit and all these things that, that come with, overindulging in alcohol that many people do on a nightly or weekly or, you know, monthly basis. Yet this, you know, beautiful plant that could really create healing was so shamed upon. And when I was able to just be like, no, I'm not going to continue to believe this. Like I'm going to heal myself in a healthy way instead of bogging my body down with medicine and, you know, these pills that the doctors were giving me was when my life really started to change. It was able to help with my inflammation, able to help me with my focusing, and it really changed my life. And it, the beautiful thing is that it opened my eyes, right? You had mentioned that it opened your eyes into this completely different world that so many people don't know or have access to. So in your journey of, you know, of spreading this and wanting to have this be a global opportunity for everyone to have access to what are, what are you currently doing and how are you spreading this message? Yeah, well, you know, like, like I said, first off was, was getting, you know, into the industry, right. And, and getting more involved in the professional industry. I like to say, because, you know, a lot of my previous, um, work was, you know, more in the like, uh, illicit market. And even though, you know, in Michigan, we had medical since 2008 and I was involved and I was, I was cultivating my own cannabis all the way back in 2008 and then supplying some of the local dispensaries, but it was very early on and it was kind of gray areas. And so, like I said, so I never, it was, I didn't tell anyone about it really, you know, like, um, I, my parents didn't know about it. Like no one, it was a very, it was a secret, you know? Um, because I was still, it, even though like it was legal, but I don't know, it was so new, you know, that you were still kind of concerned and, yeah. um, you didn't want to really put yourself out there to, to get in trouble. So, um, so that was interesting, you know, but that's kind of where, where it started. Sorry. Tell me again, where the, 
what exactly you wanted to, I, I got off track a bit. No, you're okay. So I had asked where, how are you trying to spread the global message? Okay. Right? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now it's, um, an advisory for your own company. What does that entail? Exactly. Well, like I said, well, let me just, cause like I said, there was a, I wanted to give a little, just tad bit of background. So it makes okay. sense, but you know, because then, like I said, so I've always been involved then was working for a large company, you know, um, I'm here in Portugal. And one of the things that I did, you know, and, and, and when I started working with them, Portugal didn't have any regulations locally to like introduce new products, medical cannabis products into the market. That changed in 2019, which is right when I started working with the uh, the company, did business development, then became country manager of Portugal and led the team that got the first cannabis dried flower approved and now available for prescription in Portugal. So Amazing. for me, this was like, you know, like I said, it's all little steps along the way. Right. But like, for me, this is part of that global initiative. Right. Because now I, like, you know, it was like, now I know Portuguese patients have access to a product that they didn't have access to before. Right. And so for me that it's, it's not global, but it's, it's one country that now has more access than they did before I started working here. So for me, you know, like that's, so there's all been these little steps along the, the way now with the advisory business is, you know, kind of where I made that transition is, and I think this is important to the unstoppable and entrepreneurial journey as well is that, you know, I, I lacked a lot of confidence in myself. I, I always knew I wanted to be out on my own and, and build something for myself, right? But I, I lacked a lot of confidence and was insecure about that. But then when I got into the cannabis industry and got into something that I really, I, I was already passionate about before I got into it, then I got into it. Then I realized, man, I've got a lot of value and knowledge here and I have a strong professional background, right? So it's like, that's what gave me that courage and that confidence and that security that like, okay, you know, like you can do this on your own. You know, there's ways that you can build a business and, and support your, your lifestyle on your own. Um, and, and so that's why I create, ended up having, like I said, the confidence to create the company. And, and one of the other things though, from this global standpoint is that the challenge I had was, you know, when you work for one company, you have to, I'm, I'm working for the company, right? Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, even though some of my efforts were for the global effort of this, oftentimes there were other efforts that were just company focused, right? And that didn't agree with my center values of my global view of this. Mm -hmm. So the only way I could get away from that centered, um, you know, single-minded, uh, thinking was to do something on my own and help multiple companies. So that was the idea behind creating Kai Advisors, which also focuses on the commercial side of the business, was to help companies globalize, help companies commercialize, and help companies get in front of patients and and create um, create and make products available for patients in different in different jurisdictions. That's really, I mean, it's very fascinating to hear that because, you know, you had to go against 
the, you know, grain of what, you know, we, we constantly are facing situations or people or industries or companies that want to pigeonhole us, right? They're like, no, you do good here. I want you to stay in this bubble. And some people like it. Some people like that four walls that makes them feel all warm and fuzzy and they know what they're doing. And then there's people like yourself who are like, no, I see a bigger picture. I see a bigger vision. And you have to have the courage to go after that. And, you know, like you said, with all the little steps leading up to that, it was really preparing you to get to this point where you are like, you know what, I'm going to do this on my own. I I came out here on my own, you know, to Portugal. I am doing my, you know, completed your MBA, went into a completely different industry. And, you know, I'm, and let's talk about the challenges. Like what, did you face any challenges and alongside of that, you know, because as we're talking, it, it may make people feel like it's just been like this seamless transition and, you know, but a huge reason why I have this podcast is because a lot of times people are so focused on the analytical part of business, how to, what to do, you know, it's kind of like our own little business box and how to um, become successful. But we forget that they, that we are human beings and we are coming across our personal adversaries. And, you know, how are we able to overcome these challenges and difficulties alongside while trying to achieve our dreams and our goals? So, you know, did you face any challenges throughout this process or do you feel like it, maybe it was really seamless for you? No, I wish. <laughs> I wish I could tell you that, Karina. I wish it was all rainbows and butterflies for the last, you know, whatever, five years or so. But no, there's been plenty of challenges um, along the way. And I think like the first point to mention, you know, is, is that I find these are it's always good, right? When you're, you're faced with some of these challenges and have the ability to then overcome it. Cause whenever that happens, then the next challenge seems to get a little bit easier. Um, you know, and, and so now, like I said, when you even look back, I mean, like it was a challenge to move to, to Portugal, even in just, uh, just from like the general aspect, you know, just thinking, okay, do I, you know, selling everything back in the U.S., you know, moving to a new country, figuring out how to do a visa, you know, get a visa, figuring out where I'm going to live and um, how am I going to see my family? And, you know, like just so these are just like the that that that's just like the innate challenges of making a decision like that. Right. That just come with the decision. Then you have all the other normal life stuff on top of that. Right. Whether. Um, like I said, it's, it's challenges, um, you know, within, within your company or with your, your business or just challenges on, you know, the personal life. Um, and I think, you know, one of the major challenges for me, um, along this journey is, you know, like, I guess in everything in life is, you know, trying to find a balance, right. Um, because I got into a, you know, like, I don't know, when I got into the industry and started working, you know, I, I kind of, I, I made work kind of everything. Um, and I neglected a bit of my personal life and some of the other things that I, 
that I really enjoy doing to to focus only on on my my work, right? And and I realize, you know, I got a bit I got a bit clouded and and confused, right? And 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 I mean that was a challenge in itself for me to realize you know, like I said, I think because there's almost so much comfort, there was almost so much comfort that then it made me neglect some of the personal challenges that I was still having. Because, you know, living in another country, like I said, it's difficult. It's hard to make friends. Um, it's hard to do some of the things that you were used to. Um, you know, like, um, yeah, just a lot of personal things are, are challenging and you have to adapt and you have to go outside of the, your, your comfort zone. And, and like I said, and sometimes the language is just a barrier in its own, or, you know, sometimes you find yourself at a dinner and then we're speaking English and then everyone's speaking Portuguese and you're like, I have no idea what's going on, you know, and, and what are we talking about? And then you're, and then the anxiety comes over and you're like, then you start to feel like you're just like sitting there alone. And, um, so yeah, you know, like I said, I, I think I've, I've had tons of challenges, both on the personal side as well as on, um, the business side, you know, and, um, just to highlight, you know, one of the challenges I've had is like, uh, I think this is really interesting as a, as an entrepreneur is, you know, like I said, it's, it's really scary to, to go out on your own. Right. But there's something that's driving you to, to do that. Right. There's like, there's something inside of you that's telling you, I'm not happy with the current situation. So I want to change something needs to, to change. And I want to go do that. But then we get scared of the change and it's like, and then, you know, often end up don't acting on it and, and go back to the comfort, even though the comfort is miserable. And this is what I find as like absolutely fascinating. And this is what like started to really blow my mind, you know, but it was like, that's one of the biggest challenges I've had of on this entrepreneur journey is that, you know, although I've still, my main focus is the advisory business. Well, when you start actually getting out on your own and you start writing every day and you start creating things, start firing in your brain that you weren't expecting and you weren't ready for and new ideas come in and new projects and other demands. And I think, you know, one of the largest challenges I've had in just the past six months is to manage all these new ideas and insights and then be able to manage your time around that and make sure you're still spending the you know, the time that's needed on the core business and, and, and driving that, but then still allowing you to explore these other areas that traditionally in a corporate setting, I think we usually, you know, totally close out and ignore. So what was the motivating factor for you to get through these, you know, these trials and these challenges that you, you know, were experiencing? And I'm sure as every year gets, you know, goes by, you feel more and more comfortable in this new country, you know, with the language barriers and everything. But what mo- what has motivated you to keep going? Whew. I mean... Like I said, I used a lot of different things, um, and I think it's a great question, you know. And it's 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 fascinating. And I reflected on this a little bit 
a couple weeks ago as well. But, you know, my, my friend passing away was what motivated me for a long time. Um, and I used it and it was, and it, it go. it's, I don't know, it's super fascinating, but we had a conversation not long before he passed away and, um, where he told me he really believed in me and, and thought I was going to go on to do amazing things. And it was at a time in my life where Karina, I didn't believe in myself at all. And I was very insecure and, 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 and quite lost, if you will. Um, you know, so, so then he, you know, I, I use that as motivation, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I use that as like, um, I, I, he believed in me, you know, and that someone believed in me and I use that as my motivation to keep going. But then over the past few years, I realized that like that motivation was always within myself. Um, and that I just needed to see what he saw. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I could see what he saw, I would have the motivation within me and I wouldn't need to seek the motivation from, from elsewhere. So, you know, now I'm my own motivator and, and I, and what drives me today is going back to this thing about, you know, being the best version of myself and being able to have the greatest impact that I can have on this world. And, and that's what motivates me. And I know that I'm not there yet. And I know that it doesn't. Um, and so that's what motivates me to keep going, to keep being curious, to keep asking questions, to keep challenging um, the status quo. It keeps that fire burning. Every time you ask another question, it just keeps the fire you know, burning stronger and stronger. When you stop asking questions, then you stop learning. Um, exactly. What are, your, what are your next goals with your, um, with your company? So, you know, like I said, as we, as we go forward here, you know, my, my company, like I said, it's, we're helping a lot of individual companies, you know, here in, um, in Europe. And, and I also work, have worked with some abroad as well, but moving forward, um, you know, I, I'd like to also get the company more involved at the, the regulatory level here in Europe and a bit more involved with, with some of the thought leadership conversations around medicinal cannabis and, and cannabis in general, right. And, and try to shape, some of the 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 conversations so so this year i'm looking to to speak a lot um you know i already have an engagement in july in germany that i'll be speaking you know on behalf of the company as the 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 founder and and sole member currently Uh, but that's the goal like i said for this year to continue helping companies as we are and helping them commercialize and and helping patients and and individuals you know find access to cannabis but then from a company level and founder level, get a bit more involved um, at government levels, if you will, helping push some of this thought leadership forward around around cannabis. Well, we definitely need people like you in our society and the world that really pushes the education and for it to be something that is 
common knowledge, but with the, with the truth, right? Not just what we've been taught by our grandparents and our parents and how they view what cannabis is and what it can do. And on a medical side as well, and have people understand that they have so many other options than what's just over the counter and how much in, you know, my opinion, somebody who lives more of a holistic lifestyle, that it's much healthier for your body. So, you know, you may feel, I don't know, sometimes I feel I'm like one, I'm just one person, but you are making such a huge wave in an industry that really needs everyone's voice to, you know, share about what it truly is and how it can help people. I do want to kind of chat a little bit about your LinkedIn and, you know, I've, I really enjoy how you um, engage with your, um, your audience. You know, when people ask questions, you then do a cue, a, a quick um, video review and, you know, answer or talk about their topics uh, or their, their comment that they've left on maybe one of your posts that you've done. Um, very creative. I really actually am like, that is very smart. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, you know, let's, I am curious because people also want to um, dabble more in social media and how to utilize it to grow their business. And obviously you're, you're doing just that. So yep. share, share your secrets, Stephen. For sure. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's a really interesting story, you know, because I've, I've been on LinkedIn for quite a long time. You know, I probably, I don't even know, probably 10 years. Um, that I've been on the platform and had a profile and, you know, and I worked in some roles throughout my career and some of my sales, you know, I've always been more on the commercial side of, of the businesses I've worked in. So in sales roles, you know, you'll realize that LinkedIn is a, a very unique platform in a sense, because it's a social media platform at the core, if you will, or the essence of it, but it's, it, it has this more professional, um, aspect to it right and and a lot of people are on there and visible and you can find people and you can understand what they do and where they work and and so it's uh it's it's unique in that sense where i find a lot of the other social platforms tend to be more social rather than professional although you know like it's all evolves over time and you know as as we all know, you know, TikTok and Instagram and the others are all in the Facebook as well, you know, are very heavily used in the business and professional world um, as well. They just have a different, a different feel um, to them. So, so like I said, I used it in some sales, um, you know, like I said, I think it's just a great tool for, for networking. And so, you know, in sales is often, you know, it starts with with just pure networking right so so i think that's a just the the initial aspect of it and, and you can learn a lot from the platform but then as i started working in the cannabis industry i noticed that like you know more people were kind of interested in what i was doing and then i started to i started to write a bit about cannabis and this was really interesting as well because i always wanted to write more um i really enjoy it i just enjoy writing a lot um but I never had like, again, the, I, the confidence to do it and, and, or a platform or a place where I felt comfortable. And so then when I got in the cannabis industry and I realized people were following me or just like reaching out to connect and I figured, you know, a lot of it was behind the cannabis stuff that was in my profile. So 
then one day I started, you know, like I was, I was actually walking and I was listening to, uh, I was listening to some reggae and I got the, I got the feeling to, to post something about this. Cause it's a Peter Tong song, um, a longtime reggae artist that where he's talking about some of the medical benefits of, of cannabis. And this album was released like in the seventies, you know? Um, and he's even singing about the medical benefits of, of the cannabis plant way back then. Right. So, um, so then, yeah, I just like kind of posted about it and then started doing more and then started writing every day and then kind of got into this thing where I realized going back to that story I told you on the first question about, you know, just kind of being confined to these four walls is that I realized this was a way I could build a name for myself, right? And, and highlight my knowledge and my um, experience and, and speak directly with, with whomever's willing to, to listen, right? So, so then I just started writing more and more and more. And I mean, Karina, I'd be honest, it's, it's completely changed my life. Um, majority of my business for my company comes through um, LinkedIn, majority of my opportunities to speak at events, to be on a pod, you know, a podcast like this and speak with you is, is through, is through LinkedIn. So, you know, like I said, it completely changed my life and it all goes back to that, this kind of core philosophy that I know from sales and business development is that the more you're in front of people and the more you're out there, the more they'll remember you. Simple as that. I mean, assuming you're providing value and it's not just, you know, worthless content that's, you know, taking you backwards. So as long as there's some value behind it, then, you know, like I said, it's all about being in front of people and being visible and and sharing what you can do. It's like, how is anyone going to ever ask for your help if they don't know what you do and, and, and what you're knowledgeable in and, and what you have experience with? So... I find by the more we share, especially in a social platform like that, that has the ability to reach thousands and thousands of people, the more comfortable you become, not only with yourself, but with your offerings and with your writing and with your communication and and your vulnerability and everything. So for anyone that's on the edge and considering writing more on LinkedIn, I, I highly, I highly recommend it. Thank you, Stephen, for being a part of this unstoppable podcast. Your story truly is an, an unstoppable story from, you know, going from Michigan all the way to Portugal and all the things in between. And you never allowed your circumstances or your situations or any barriers stop you. So congratulations. And you are truly an inspiration for that. And on my behalf, I am, you know, want to thank you for being somebody who's a, you know, industry leader in cannabis and helping people and um, bringing that awareness. So I know that there are going to be other people who are very intrigued by you and your story. If you want to, you know, give us some information on where you know, they can find you and anything that you've got coming up. Well, thanks again, Karina, for having me. I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for also highlighting the work that, that I'm doing. You know, I think, um, like I said, it's, it's oftentimes challenging just for us within the industry, but it also helps when, 
individuals like yourself give us this opportunity to then share, um, you know, our knowledge and our experience, and then hopefully, you know, get that out to then your network, which is different than my network, right? And and again, just that compounding effect of of spreading the word. So so thank you um, for having me and and for being open to to talking about about uh, cannabis. So I appreciate that. And for all others, um, you know, always on LinkedIn, I post every day on there. So you can find me there, Stephen Arthur George. Also, my website is stephenarthurgeorge.com. So keep it simple for you. You can find me there, which does have my newsletter slash blog that just started this year. That is bi-weekly right now, but we're moving to weekly soon called Can It Be Me? So this is a big passion project of mine that, um, you know, started around uh, some of the struggle that I think a lot of individuals have that myself had with um, our relationship with cannabis and having to keep that in the closet, if you will, and not being able to speak about that. Um, And I know a lot of people have lived with this, some people their whole entire lives, people like me, luckily, we're starting to, to break out of that and being able to express it a bit more. So you know, that that's what the Canopy Me uh, newsletter is kind of founded upon. But then it, it travels into this journey of it's not just about cannabis at all. Right. It's it's this for anyone that is looking to be more of themselves. I'm challenging you to ask yourself, can you be yourself? So check that out on the website and subscribe if interested. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you, Karina.